Fucked and drank all night Acted all alright Had no need to fight Tonight, tonight What's up guys? Welcome back to the Bread to Build podcast, a project dedicated to sharing the stories of the people who build and those who help move construction forward. My name is Brett Gowen. I'm the founder of Hammer and Builders of Insta. And today I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Panella. What's happening guys? It's Matt Panella, also known as Matt Bangswood, framer and half-ass YouTuber based out of Central California. This whole episode today is around having hard conversations. And before we jump into it, one of our close friends and Hammer family members, uh, Nicole Page's brother, just passed away from cancer. And uh, she gave me some permission to, uh, to shout this out. But I just wanted to take a, sentence, a, a second to send her some thoughts and prayers. And if you know her, uh, please reach out and be a friend. Send her some prayers as we've all been through some hard experiences and unfor- unfortunate circumstances in life. Um, today, we're going to be talking with Garrett Davis on substance abuse, mental health, and how we can do better addressing these topics in construction. It's definitely apparent to me and, and many other people that this is a topic that's generally ignored. It sits in the shadows of our industry, yet it's statistically shown that construction leads the way in the overall industry around substance abuse, suicide, and it never really gets talked about. So, Let's jump into Garrett and Garrett. Welcome to the show, man. What up? I'm super <laughs> pumped to have you part of it, man. At least Matt clapped. Okay, there we go. <laughs> That's kidding. how you welcome somebody. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is a this is a good topic, man. I, I'm really excited to jump in with you. Um, one, your entire journey is just a is an awesome story. Your outlook on everything. We we. We talked last week for, for quite a while, and I, I'm just pumped to, to jump into this. I think it's a really, really important topic that never gets talked about. I, I agree, man. It's, uh, I don't know. We kind of talked about it in the beginning in the construction world that nobody – I mean, I know for me, like nobody wants to talk about anything. Talking about your feelings and, and all that stuff isn't a manly thing to do in the construction world. You want to talk about – you know, crushing beers and getting women and partying and, you know, how fast we're going to frame this wall. It's, you don't want to talk about that stuff. So um, I think it's a totally good topic. Uh, I'm not saying like I'm the number one contendant to be talking about this, but I know hand, hands down what it's like to have a downward spiral with, with drug addiction, alcohol addiction. Um, but it all stems off of it's not, it's not alcohol and booze. That's not the problem. That's what you use to, to absorb, to get rid of your problems and not think about them. If that makes sense. Coping mechanism. Exactly. Exactly. And, like, and, and your whole thing of overcoming it too. And I think that's a really cool thing that we want to talk about today as well. Right. It's right. possible. It is possible. There's a, there's a huge hashtag that goes around. It's we do recover because we, you, you can recover. It's just all about, you know, you got to have the willingness and you got to be, you got to be wanting to, to do it. You have, you have to want, want it for yourself. You can't do it for anybody else. Yeah. Um, let's jump into your background a little bit. I, I, I know we can definitely dive super, super deep. We have some awesome questions for you lined up, but, uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Um, just, just briefly so we can kind of, uh, you know, let the audience know who you are, uh, how you got into this predicament in the, in the beginning days and, Give us your whole like journey around skateboarding, going into construction and everything. 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, my parents split up when I was seven. Um, my mom's a recovering alcoholic. My dad's a recovering alcoholic. Uh, my dad's actually right behind me in sobriety. He got sober when I got sober because uh, he saw his son going to rehab and thought maybe he needed to look at his life too. Um, but my mom's like 25 years sober. My dad's three years sober. And um, my parents split up real young. Uh, I thought they were real happy. I, it, it really, it, it crushed me actually, to be honest. Um, but I had just kind of started skateboarding, as you thought. So uh, when I look at my past with addiction is, I didn't want to think about reality then at a young age, at age seven. So I had like addiction personalities before I even touched drugs and alcohol. Um, and I took all of my mental obsessions and, and how I didn't want to think about reality and I put it into skateboarding. And I got really fucking good. Um, that's all I did. <laughs> that's all I did. Like, oh, something bad happened. I went out and skated. Oh, shit. I got in trouble at school. I went out and skated. I got detention. I don't want to tell my mom I'm going to go out and skate and not think about it. And then life would always come crashing in on Garrett when I had to face reality and it sucked. Um, so I, I skated, you know, um, I got my first board at age seven and by age 10, I was like going to camp Woodward. Uh, oh, I got yeah. my, yeah, Dang. I got my, I got my first sponsorship by a local shop when I was like 12 and they would just flow me everything. Anytime I, I wanted a board, they would give it to me. Uh, I would do a competitions for them. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I got good. I mean, I skated till I was like 25. So I haven't stepped on a board in like almost eight years, but uh, I was just at a job. We were doing a deck this summer and, and the, a kid left a board out at the job we were on. And I'm like, give me that. And I had my Vans on and I did a <laughs> kickflip like first try. And my guys were like, whoa, dude, what? Like, they, I'm like, I told you I used to skate. It's like riding a bike. So um, never forget it. No, never. So, uh, yeah, man, like age 12, though, that was the first time I ever uh, I got into alcohol. We broke into a friend's liquor cabinet, his parents' liquor cabinet, and um, we drank uh, peppermint schnapps and Coca-Cola. Oh, was, wow. Like, awkward. Like, yeah. what, an what an alcoholic thing to do. Like, that'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> and I just like, I got loaded, man. And I, I got sick and I got caught. And I had to go, uh, my mom found out, she made me go apologize to the parents and I could not wait to do it again. Like all of that didn't matter. I was like, that was fucking cool. Like, I can't wait to party again. Um, and, and that was, that was that, that was at age 12? At age 12. Yeah. Started where, where was, where was that influence or was it just out of curiosity that you wanted to do it? Yeah, it was, it was like a kid I was hanging out with. Um, and he was like, yo, man, like, we could break into my parents' liquor cabinet. So he kind of sparked it. And I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. Like, I didn't back. I wasn't like, no, you know, like, and I knew, dude, I knew what alcohol could do to you. My mom was a recovering alcoholic at this point. She had like four years under her belt. And literally, like, so my mom, real quick, not to backtrack, but real quick, like, I woke up one morning at age seven, and my mom was gone. And she was gone for six months. And we didn't my older brother, my older sister, and I didn't know where our mother was. And we had to go live with my dad. And my mom was just off on a binge. 
Um, so that's what that's right. that was her downward spiral. She left her kids and said, fuck life. And then she got sober, though. And she's been sober ever since, which is super cool. Um, but that's kind of so like, I knew what alcohol could do. But they say it's a family disease, you know, it runs in the blood. And it's so true. I was born an alcoholic. I know that now now that I'm sober, and I have recovery. Like, I know I was born like I was doomed from the fucking get go. Um, so yeah, age 12, drank the schnapps, got in trouble. <laughs> um, couldn't wait to do it again. And then that's kind of just how it went. Like, throughout high school, I would party whenever I could. And um, I got into construction working for my uncle in the summer times. And he was a he was an alcoholic. Everybody that worked for him was an alcoholic. They all smoked weed. They did not care that I was young. They would do it in front of me. I'm like, these guys are so cool. Like, you know, like they're they're framing houses, they're they're smoking weed. They're like three o'clock. Yeah, three o'clock came around. They were cleaning up the job site, crushing beers, drinking whiskey every day. This wasn't like Fridays. This was like every day on the job at three o'clock. These guys were alcoholics. They they needed it to survive. Um, and I did. I looked up to it. And uh, I thought it was cool. Uh, school was never for me. So by the time I, I just graduated, I had to get a <laughs> I had to get a 70 or higher on my algebra final to graduate high school. And I got a 72. There you go. Scraped my, on by. My algebra teacher cried. She was the biggest bitch. Everybody <laughs> hated her. She <laughs> cried at graduation and hugged me because she was like, thank God I don't have to have you back in my life again. <laughs> That's perfect. Because I, I had I have ADHD, as you can tell, like I'm fidgety. I, and that's why I'm a good carpenter. Hence, um, but it's like I was a tyrant in school, dude. I had so much energy. I hated learning. I would I was the class clown. I would torment teachers. I would just torture them. Sitting at um, a desk for hours on end is not your thing. Right? No, not at all. So um, I got out of high school and I I tried college. It didn't work out. I, I flunked out. And I went and started just working full time, being a carpenter, um, doing trade stuff. I, I've kind of done it. I've kind of done it all. We we did like a lot of in house stuff when I worked for my uncle. We built homes and we did all the landscaping. So he had excavators, skid steers. A lot of people on IG probably don't know this about me, but I'm actually a, a pretty good mason too. Um, so we did like all of our stonework, patios, chimneys. We did everything and all the carpentry. So you, you got um, some experience under your belt to say the least. Yes, I do. Um, now, now you're building your own house, man. You went from like skateboarding, alcohol right. abuse, substance abuse to getting your life together, running your own company and building your own house now. Right. Yeah. And that's like a short story of my yeah, life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the summary that I got. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude. It's, uh, it was crazy, man. I, um, so I work, I work for people. You know, I, I know I'm going to jump around a lot, but it's like, I get asked a lot on Instagram by younger guys, like, Hey, I, I've been working for two years. Like, think it's time for me to go out on my own. I'm like, no, like, dude, I worked for somebody for so long until I had the balls to go out on my own. Working your own business is so, I'm not just saying this, it is so stressful and time consuming i love it but it's not for everybody and um so i went off on my own i finally just had enough i had a super 
so as my addiction progressed, I got to be more of like an ornery person. Um, I'm not, I was like the lovable, fun guy that you guys kind of see, but there was a lot of dark sides to me. Um, but all of my, I would be really happy when I was under the influence. And then at the end of the night, I would be really, really emotional <laughs> because I would be so lit. I, all my emotions were starting to come out and I didn't know how to deal with it. So, um, so I was just, let's, let's, kind of, let's kind of jump right into like your, your downward spiral. Obviously everybody hits like a, a rock bottom. Yeah. Was it, was it recognizable to other people? Like were, were you missing work? Was like safety a big issue or, or how did it, how was that wake up call to kind of change things around? Yeah. I mean, I, my last employer was Mike Monsell. Uh, I'll say his name cause we're really good friends. Um, and I was a horrible employee. I was starting to miss work. Um, I was lying. I was spending all my money on drugs and alcohol. Uh, you know, I was hiding it from my wife. Um, and I just, the problem when you're in active addiction is you're always the victim. Everybody else is wrong. Yep. So I, I got really, really, anytime he would kind of call me out on my shit, I would get really, really pissed and victimized and be like, ah, oh, fuck this guy. Even though he was an awesome boss. Um, and I walked, this is like getting towards my downward spiral, I promise. Um, I walked onto a job one day and he had told me that I was going to be kind of like in charge and, and running this kitchen and doing it by myself. And I showed up and his dad was on the job and his dad was a micromanaging, awesome carpenter. He was 73. He had been doing carpentry his whole life. He was awesome, but he was micromanaged and it always drove me crazy. And, uh, my old boss was this guy that he had three jobs going on, but only one table saw. And we're like doing, we're like doing fine cabinetry work. And he's like, Oh, go rip this filler piece down with a fucking skill saw. And I'm like, there we you go. know what? Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, you know what? I, I'm so over this. And I got in an argument with his dad and I walked off the job and I went out on my own. That's how I went out on my own. You want to talk about like no planning, I had no jobs lined up <laughs> and you just, you just I, won I, just, it. I just went for it, dude. And while being an inactive alcoholic and drug addict, um, with no work, I had a lot of downtime. Um, so that, that was when I started figuring out ways like how I was going to get my fix and started stealing money from my wife. Um, and then I got a job. And it was a sick job and it had a, it was a really expensive job and they gave me this huge deposit and I was so stoked. And guess what? The first thing I did when I got it, oh, I went man. out and bought a fucking eight ball and partied all night and had like four meetings the next day to go meet with some subcontractors for this job. I just landed and I was so hungover and I, you could probably see it in my eyes that I was still coked out of it. And, um, and that was just like the start of my business. That was my first job, dude. I, I still use these subcontractors I'm talking about. And they all are like, just like blown away about how, who I am now. Cause they saw me at my worst and now That's they see good. me now. So um, what, what age were you when, when all that went downhill? I was, I was 27 when I went into business for my own. I was 30 by the time I burnt everything to the ground. I got, I started getting busy and getting jobs, but dude, I was just blowing it all up my nose. 
I loved cocaine. It was my drug of choice. I'm an alcoholic. I, I identify myself as an alcoholic because I did a drug that allowed me to drink more. Yeah. Um, but I don't think if I hadn't had cocaine in my story, I don't know if I'd be sitting here talking about addiction with you guys. I'd probably still be mm-hmm. drinking and thinking everything's fine, to be yeah. honest. Totally honest. Yeah. Because drugs bring you down a lot quicker than alcohol does. There, there's a lot of lifetime alcoholics. I get what you're saying with that. That, that substance yep. abuse definitely helped kick you to rock bottom there. Dude, and to put, to put in perspective about how much drugs I was doing, I was spending $3,000 a week on cocaine, cigarettes, and booze. A week. Holy shit. Three grand a week? I'm not even kidding. I was blowing, I was blowing up over an ounce up my nose a week. Holy shit. Oh my gosh. I went, I went, honestly, I'm, I'm thankful you're still here. <laughs> Dude, yeah. I went, I, I went seven days on a binge of Coke, um, no sleep and I didn't eat just eating cocaine. Um, and I, I over, I, I collapsed in a parking lot. I was actually at a diner with my wife and my heart gave out and I, I collapsed in the parking lot. Um, I blamed that- it on dehydration. <laughs> but it was an overdose <laughs> was so, that the kicker for you no here? i went on for another two months after that so when when was your wake-up call like wh- when did it like um, click for you to either people around you or people or, or you directly that you needed help so so i uh after that happened um i went on for two more months and I was behind on every, we were behind on all of our bills. You know, I was working all the time, but I was bringing Mm -hmm. in no money and my wife works and she makes good money. So um, we were kind of surviving off her, but it finally got to the point where we were so far behind, we couldn't even afford to live anymore. And I I asked my dad for a huge loan. He told me that he would only do it if I took a drug test. Cause he was, mm-hmm. everybody was starting to worry about me. My whole entire family, my mother's sober, dude. She fucking knew something was wrong with me. Yeah. She knew from the get go. Yeah. She, she always says it when we go to meeting, we go to a meetings together and she always says it. She's like, I was keeping that seat warm for him for a long time. Um, which is cool. Cause now I get to be in recovery with my mom, but anyways, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> going off topic. Uh, so it was like 30. Um, I had no money. I wanted a, I wanted a loan from my dad. I took a drug test. I had been doing Coke for like two weeks and I'm like, yeah, I'll take a drug test and I'll pass that shit. I didn't. Um, my wife who's right over here in the other room, probably listening. Um, she, I hid it from her for four years. She had no idea. I was like, she knew I drank. She knew she I had the no idea about the blow. No, no idea. I hid it from her for four years. Holy shit. I would go out into my shop at night and pretend I was doing woodworking and charging my batteries and I would just party all night by myself. It got real weird. It got real scary, dude. I was, I was in a dark place, but on, um, a, on a different note, how long have you guys been together? Uh, we just celebrated our four year wedding anniversary. We've been together six years. Congrats, so she, man. She was there through the thick of it. Oh dude, she stayed with me. Not many women would have stayed with a guy after finding out what the fucking I shit I did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you're grateful. I'm very grateful. Um, so yeah, it, that, it just came to that. I tested positive for cocaine. She was like, what the fuck? And I was like, ah, oh, like I made up some whack story about getting paid by some blow and I forgot about it and like did it that night. Like just stupid shit. 
Uh, went on for two more weeks. We had no money. I had $5 in my pocket. And I just, dude, I had enough. I couldn't do it anymore. I, I was, I lied so much that I didn't know when I was telling the truth anymore. Um, I was so sick of hiding stuff. I was just so sick of running around and living the, ins dude, my life was insane. Like, wake up, snort coke, go to work. Where am I going to get a drink so I stop shaking? Like, uh, dude, it just became, it became too much and I couldn't take it anymore. And I just, I, I had a breakdown. Um, I told my brother-in-law, the first person I thought of was my brother-in-law. He's also a carpenter and he's taught me a lot of what I know. Um, so I called him and I came clean to him. It, dude, like as soon as I told him, it was like, oh, like this weight just like got lifted. But then he was like, you're talking to the wrong person. You need to tell your wife. Um, so I eventually told, I had Megan come out. I was out in the shop. I had done like an eight ball of Coke. I was all fucked up. And um, I just came clean, dude. I've never seen my wife cry so much. It was fucking horrible. Um, and I was in rehab. I was in rehab two days later. Just like that, strike while the iron's hot. I was like, I didn't yeah. want to. I, I wanted to, I didn't want to go to rehab. Um, but my mother's like, you're going. And my wife was like, you're going. And I'm like, you know, it's probably what I need. Cause I, I had tried, dude, like it, throughout my life, I had tried to be like, I'm not going to do Coke today. Like I'm, I'm only going to smoke weed and drink beer. All right, beer. I'm going to drink some whiskey. No, whiskey's yeah, but too they're much. All I'm go they're all, yeah. Dude, I did, I flip flopped. I did all that and I could never do it by myself ever. Mm -hmm. So I needed, I needed help from somebody else. Like I, I needed it. I want to, I want to talk on this topic with you uh, really quick, Garrett, but I, I think, you know, being in the industry and being so open about your personal issues uh, can, especially in construction can seem as kind of like as a, as a weakness where we're very in a, a, a tough guy type of industry, but totally. obviously by, by sharing and being super open with your story, has probably pulled you out of rock bottom. It seems like getting the support system and everything and has given you the necessary support to grow and be a completely different person. And I want to ask you, like, how have you been able to be so open with your journey? Like what, what's your driving force? Because like, I'll even admit it. Like, it's hard for me to talk about my problems. I was, I was raised in a construction family. Like you, you, you kind of like the whole notion is like, don't be a little bitch about your problems. And like, it, it's so true, but like, I think we need to start reframing the conversation because this is something that haunts our industry. And, and I love that you're living proof that you've like, uh, you've come out through the fire on the other side in a much better place. But I'm really curious to ask, man, how have you been able to be so open with your journey? Because 99% of people, one would probably never seek out the help and two, actually be open to share it. Right. So, um, so the, I know a lot of people that are sober that didn't do what I did. They didn't go to a rehab. They just mm -hmm. were like, you know what? Enough's enough. And they, and they did it and power to them. But I have, I go to AA meetings. Like I, I alcoholic, alcoholics anonymous is what my rehab was based on. And it really opened my eyes to a program. And one of their big slogans is you can't keep it if you don't give it away. And it's so true, dude. Like, hmm. if I'm not out there talking about it, how's anyone ever going to know? Um, and not only, like, is how is anyone going to know? When I hear myself talk to people and try to help others, which is a huge part of what I like to do because it gets me out of myself. So mm -hmm. I can stop thinking about all my 
piddly bullshit like i have too much work and oh damn it like i need to get bigger truck tires on my truck like fuck all that like i get to like go talk to somebody and be real with somebody and and get out of myself and hear about their problems and then tell them how i relate and that's like a blessing man and so like if i just hold it all in then i'm never i'm just gonna be stuck so like I immediately, when I got sober, I got on Instagram stories and said, hey, guys, like, this is where I've been for the last 30 days, and I'm sober now. Like, it's been 30 days. I haven't had a drink or drug. Oh, wow. So it was like you know, an announcement. I, I, actually, I actually recall following you back then when you, when you took off, and I remember your post when you finally came back. And Yeah, you I, reached I, out to me. The response that you got from the freaking Instagram community, like, I, I, I love Instagram. It's, it's done great things, but... The response yep. you got was unreal. Yeah. And I, I think it was kind of like, to be honest with you, I feel like there's a lot of people out there, probably some that are listening right now that have issues that they don't even want to bring up. So you coming out and kind of saying like, here's what's up. Here's what I've been going through. You have probably inspired far more people than you'd ever even know. Dude, it's crazy, man. I get, I get crazy amounts of messages like every week about guys that either, you know, want to, get sober or just have questions or just curious. Yeah. Um, and I'm just, I'm super real, dude. I, I, I faked way too much throughout my whole entire life. I was super fake and I want I was always trying to be someone I thought people wanted me to be. So now I'm just me and, and this is kind of who I am. So it's like, I'm so straight with people when they come to me like, well, you know, I think I have a problem, but, and I'm just like, dude, if you're thinking you got a problem, you You're most definitely have a fucking problem. And this is, if you really want my advice, this is what I did. And this is what worked for me. Um, take that for a grain of salt and do it kind of how you want to, because everybody's different, dude. Everybody recovers different. Um, yeah. But this is like, for me, like, I'm not going to lie. Like I've been slacking this whole like pandemic with AA meetings aren't open. So it's all on zoom and zoom for me is like, yeah, it's cool. I get to see some people, but it's not the same. Like the vibes you get when you walk into an AA meeting and, and shake someone's hand and see people, it's yeah. like something really special. And I don't know if I could have got sober without, without that. But anyways, AA has like led me to be like, dude, I didn't talk about things my whole life. So when I started going to meetings, I started talking and like, I would get crazy responses back from people in meetings or like a newcomer that had 30 days when I had 90 days would be like, damn, man, like, I hope I have what you have at 90 days, just like all of that. And it really just made me like, I need to put this out there and let people know, like, dude, I still count days. Like, I know how long I've been sober. And for a long time, I every month I would do a post on Instagram, like 30 days sober, yep. 60 days sober. And it's like crazy. The, like you said, the response you get, dude, I thought I was going to be so alone in the construction world. And there is so many guys out there that are sober. Like, yeah. it's not the end all. I thought it was going to end my, I thought life was going to be so boring when I got sober, dude. And it's like way more exciting. It's so dope. Like I love, I love being high on life. It's awesome. It's stressful at times and I don't drink anymore to get rid of it. I actually talk in, talk about it and, mm -hmm. and get it off my chest and wow, it feels so much better. You know, it's crazy. So oftentimes addicts after they've recovered, pick up a different hobby to kind of fill time. Do you have something you do now that acts as that filler work to get your mind out that that's it dude i i tell my wife this all the time i have like no hobbies it sucks but i love what i do so it's like it's technically kind of a hobby 
dude, I've taken all the energy I wasted on partying for like 16 years and put it into my business. And it, it, it shows for me. Oh, it, like, def- I, it definitely does. You know, you know, like oh. I, yeah, oh. I'm sorry. Go, go on. You're good. No, I was just, it's, it's crazy, man. Like I, it, and that's what it was. It was wasted energy. I wasted so many years of my life. I've drinking heard that and, from and partying a, and thinking a lot that. of people and it yeah. sucks, but I, I think you're definitely a huge inspiration for people to be able to follow the same path. Um, do you, do you think there is, I kind of know the answer to this already, but do you think there's a stigma around mental health and construction um, as far as like the, the tough guy mentality, rub some dirt in it. Don't leave your personal life at the door. How do you think we can improve as an industry to address this more? Yeah, it's funny. I, this is a hard one. It's, it's funny because I, I think back to when I wasn't sober and I used to say things like, uh, you're, you're only, a, you're only a quitter. If you, if you try to quit, like talking about my, my alcoholism and stuff, like, Oh, I'm such a tough guy. Like I knew I had a problem. Like, and I'm like, Oh, it's only a problem if you try to quit. <laughs> like, and like, deep down inside, I like have a hole in my heart and I like hate myself and want to fucking die. Like so stupid. Um, I don't know how we could make it better, man. It's just like on my job sites, I guess I can say from my perspective, like on my job sites, I, I want my guys to be open. Like I just, um, I'm not going to go into full details, but James was my top employee. I, I just recently lost him because of stuff that happened in his life. And he, uh, me as a boss, he felt very comfortable coming to me and he told me about everything. And like, I was super accepting of it. Like, I don't want to go, like I said, I don't want to go into full detail, For but sure. like, I was like super warm hearted and I, I helped him out. Like he needed some time off. I paid him for that time off. Uh, he only got like, his last paycheck was like wicked low on hours. I ended up paying him for like a full two weeks. Like, but that, like, I just, I, I wanted to, I gave, I give my employees vibes where they can come to me and talk about stuff. And a lot of bosses don't do that. No, a lot of it's freaking hard ass, get to work, don't care about the feelings, so on and right. so forth. So that would be like something to change is like a boss get letting his ego out and, and, and making his employees feel more comfortable around him. It's, like, I, I, I don't want to be a friend. Cause you, the, the friend and the boss thing can get weird, yeah, but I do taking advantage. Right. I, I do, you know, I, I call James a friend of mine, but we had a really good employee boss relationship. He knew I was the boss, but he also did everything I ever needed him to do. And I never had to question his work. Yeah. Um, but that's cause I, I have a comfortable, I, I have a comfortable job site. I feel like, and that that's not the case in a lot. Cause I know for my, myself, like, my uncle was absolutely terrifying. He scared the shit out of me and I wasn't going to show up on the job site crying and being like, Hey buddy, I got a, a girl broke up with me. I need to talk yeah. to you about it. Like he'd be like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, <laughs> like, get out of here. <laughs> so that would be the first thing I think is like a lot of guys act tough because that's what their boss does. So they just want to do mm-hmm. what he, you know, if that makes, does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. I think the boss mentality is to kind of show no emotion whatsoever and be right. freaking cold as ice. And unfortunately that, that can lead to some bad things. Um, we recently hired a guy shit like a, a week before 
we actually hired him. He, he told us that he was, he was over life. He was going to off himself. Uh, he was homeless and he was going through it. The dude had no license. He had no car. Um, my pops kind of coming from a background that wasn't so great, took a chance on him. And this dude, he's got a freaking van that he's staying in now until he can get a place. And it's like, all it takes is giving somebody a, a little bit and they can, they can show you what they're capable of. And that's exactly what this dude's done for us. So similar awesome. thing with bosses, if you're a freaking asshole and you don't let people open up to you, chances are they're not going to stick with you, but why would they want to work for you to begin with? Right. I've, worked, I've worked for some screamers before, dude. They're fucking assholes. They don't give a shit about yeah. you whatsoever. They want work, work, work. You're just a number. Right. And right. that's not how you build a good team. No, not at all, dude. Like I treat, I treat my guys with so much respect and like they're out there making me money and, and they know what I want. And like, I, I see it. So I like, I treat them right. Like I bought one guy a diamond back tool belt. I bought James a 701 vest. Like I, I give them huge Christmas bonuses. Like Taylor had to leave because of COVID and daycare. He can't, he had to go be a stay at home dad. So he hasn't yeah. been able to work for like three months and I'm still giving him a Christmas bonus. Like those are the type of things that show your employees that you care. They know you're the boss, but there's a good relationship. Yeah, you have, you have to have that happy medium, that, that yeah. family bond. And it, in a it's sense. a lot of guys don't have that. And I, I was uh, right. I, I see it kind of like uh, some hip hypocrisy in the industry around like, how the workforce is the biggest asset to an organization, yet they're not taking the proper procedures to invest in them, both from a, you know, like a mental health standpoint. Like if your workforce isn't okay with their life or back home or with substances, guaranteed they're not going to be showing up on site, working, doing well, performing well. And that's going to affect the entire organization, the entire culture, everyone that they work with. And yeah, I, I, I think it's, we actually need to change the conversation around it instead of again, rubbing some dirt in it. Sure. I, I love like the, the hardcore aspect, the hardworking aspect, the work hard, play hard. But I think uh, we should really warm ourselves up to the idea of actually talking about this versus leave your problems elsewhere Let's not talk about it, man up, whatever it is, right? Um, right? Clearly talking about it starts opening the conversation. We can actually do something about it. Dude, and, and I, I can relate so much to like showing up at job sites hungover. Like that's just like not a safe, you know, in the morning after a night of drinking, you're still drunk whether you think you are or not. Yeah. Like, and that's just like, yeah. you are so, whether you, you know, I used to call myself a professional. I'd be like, I'm a pro but I would be hung over and it would affect the way I worked. It, mm -hmm. There's no doubt about it. Like I was cloudy and I would smoke a doobie to freaking get me feeling better. Like, you know, just like yeah. all that stuff. And it never worked. And oh man, it's just, it, it was a crazy lifestyle. And the, yeah, I, I would say that the, the whole boss thing is a, is a huge, is a huge part of that personally. I want to, I want to bring up something, um, Matt, Garrett, both want you guys in on this, this, um, part of it too. But, um, first and foremost, I got to credit Aaron Witt with his, uh, his dirt talk podcast, um, build wit is his name. He did a episode on suicide prevention, uh, several weeks ago. And there was this one point that his guest made that like really stuck with me. And basically she made the point around treating suicide prevention, mental health, 
uh, substance abuse, whatever it is, as becoming a conversation around safety. I thought this was, I, I felt almost like a responsibility to share this point because it stuck with me so well. But, you know, the point that she made in that episode was everyone talks, 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 pushes, pushes, pushes safety. And so how can we better integrate it into a company's procedures and systems where mental health, uh, uh, you know, substance abuse and addressing these topics is more around the, the area of safety so that we can better integrate it into the industry versus treating it as something completely different. Because I think that's where construction is having a hard time coping or even addressing this topic is that mental health is seem seemingly like something that, I don't know, for the lack of better words, like softer people deal with, <laughs> or you know what I mean? But it's like, do you think that would be a proper way in your eyes that the conversation could change? What do you think? I think it, that's cool. Oh, oh no, go for all, it. Matt. It's all you. Go for it. Go for it. No, no, you go. So I, I kind of feel like I, I agree. It, it could definitely be brought into like a safety topic. Um, it falls back. We've talked about this in the podcast before. A buddy of mine cut his arm off. Uh, everyone was pissed on the job site. Shit wasn't going right. And it happened. And that kind of fell back onto what was on his mental at the time. And it caused one of the worst accidents I've ever seen. Um, once again, though, that falls right back onto bosses not caring, bosses wanting nothing but production and truly lack of, lack of care for their employees. Um, but yes, if we treated it similar to seeing the laborer picking up a beam saw about to whack his leg off, <laughs> Like, hey, so-and-so is not doing too good today. What's going on with him? It's as simple as asking somebody a question. I've been through some dark times myself. And if somebody wanted to talk to me about it, I'd be more than happy to. But you feel like when you're in that state, you feel like nobody can relate to you. Like nobody else has gone through shit you're going through. Therefore, you keep it bottled up. Um, yeah, if people treat it like I have had so many different OSHA safety boards. They talk about getting shit in your eye. They talk about heat prevention. They talk about all kinds of different shit, but never have they talked about what's going on with your employees on a mental level. Right. That's, that's like, that's like really cool that, that she brought that up, that whoever the you mentioned there. Um, I don't know. I, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a, it's a hard thing though, because how are you gonna, how are you gonna address it? I, I guess it's like, I, I could see it more as like a, someone's got mental health issues and they are not comfortable in their own skin and they have a lot of issues that they don't talk about. And then there's guys on the job site that are giving them a hard time and mm -hmm. picking on it. Like, dude, some people don't know how to take that stuff. And that's like huge in construction, like nailing yeah. a guy's tool bag to the floor. Uh, <laughs> like, just like you see it all over Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and some guys don't know how to handle that dude. Like I had a, speaking i mean just to just to be speaking of this this is actually a prime topic i had an 18 year old kid working for me um he's i've tried him twice now and i swear dude he's got stuff going on and he won't talk about it and he's like real quiet and um i like i, I like explain something to it and it's like he's like yeah 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 but it's like one ear out the other yeah. so i'm always i was always wondering like what's this kid's life like at home? Like, and my wife would say it too, because I'd be like, Zach was fucking, he was all over the place again today. She's like, well, you don't know what he's like. You don't know what's happening at home. And I'm like, I don't, you're right. And we should know, because 
they're our employee and they're working on our job sites. And if they're in like a real bad mental state, that could be so dangerous. Like you said, a laborer picking up a fucking beam cell. Exactly. Dude, I, I have a I have a saw squatch and I'm the only one who uses it and both my guys are skilled. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> like, so I, I think the the hard part though is like, I, I think we can relate as far as company size go. We're not huge. We don't have an HR team. We don't have all these right. resources that a company that employs a thousand people does. We don't have four people that you can reach out to via email to get help with all this stuff. So as a small contractor. I have absolutely no advice on how we can implement right. this into businesses um, on a larger well, Matt, scale. HR is plenty fine. I, I think, I think we could even go to the extent of saying like most of the construction workforce that's out in the field, they're not walking into fancy offices with a big HR department. They could just walk into any room. Um, these are people like are going to multiple job sites. Like that's their office, you know, where, you know, they're in and out, they're changing job sites. And, and I'm talking more like on a commercial level, residential is a lot smaller, but you don't even have to take that in consideration too, is like, they don't have the accessible resources that maybe, you know, the uh, corporate industry or, or the tech industry would have. So it's like, how do we evaluate and approach it in that way where you can offer them the right resources in an easy way for them to talk about these things. Like going onto site to talk about your problems. That's probably like the last thing that anyone wants to do. It's like, yeah. I'm here to work, not yep. necessarily talk about my addiction, uh, family problems. Like a lot know, of the time and then your work, work, work can be an escape from reality to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And, and so that's the big question to ask too is, and I think it needs to come from, maybe this is just my personal belief, but I think it needs to come like from top down, like the, the owner, the business owner or the organization as a whole needs to think about. Um, and I really love her, her aspect on the safety thing, but thinking of it around that and developing a system versus trying to treat it as something completely separate and integrating it into the business and creating that culture um, where you're open and you're investing in your workforce, because I mean, if you're not investing in your workforce and they're not mentally in shape and physically in shape, then that's not a very strong workforce as a whole. Off goes the arm. How do, how do you address it though? I guess is like my, that, that's kind of where I'm coming from too. I'm, I'm, I, if anyone's listening to this podcast right now and has an idea on how we can do this, please reach out via email. It'll be at the end of the podcast, but <laughs> I'm genuinely kind of at, at a loss here as far as how the construction world is known for being this way. It's, it's kind of a rough topic. Um, I'm wide open. Yeah, I just feel like uh, <laughs> like job site meetings on Monday. Like, who's having some mental health issues today, guys? Like, I don't know. I just like I I, I like it. I just don't under I don't. Know I like how, the concept how... as well. But like, do you really think that we're going to be able to do job site meeting on Monday or or on Friday, and somebody's openly going to come out and say like, hey, this is what's going on, like? A lot of the times people keep this stuff hidden out of sight, out of mind. You don't have a problem if you don't think about it. And there's, there's a way to fix it. I'm sure there is. It's just figuring out how. Yeah. I'd be really interested in, in if, if anyone has ideas or they're integrating into their business, how, how, how they're tackling this whole issue. Cause it's something that definitely hides in the shadows of construction, statistically speaking, one of the leading industries. And so 
first and foremost, yes, having the conversation, but you know, I, I'm personally interested in, in having someone reach out if, if they're integrating any process into their business, how they're tackling the issues around um, whether it's mental health, suicide prevention, substance abuse, um, notor- you know, construction is notorious for kind of being accepting of this behavior. So um, it, it would be nice to, to hear from people that are, that are tackling this issue. So one, one thing I've done is since I've got sober is I don't really want, um, you know, people that are like what I used to be working for me. <laughs> so that's understandable. That kind of, right? So I, I try to hire kind of like like-minded people and I feel like that helps conversations more. Because mm-hmm. people that have kind of gone through something like I just hired a guy who's 27 years old. He's got two years sobriety. Um, you know, James was a normal, I call him normies. Um, <laughs> he, he, he had like a beer here and there. He could take it or leave it. Same with Taylor, like beer here and there type of guy. Yeah. Like I'm like beer here and now I'm running around naked in the streets of Maine, like <laughs> fucking oh searching gosh. for drugs. So like that wasn't me, but it's like, that helps like having like-minded people on the job site, then you can talk about it more instead of having like a variety of badasses that are like, we ain't talking about shit. I don't know. That's just, if that meant anything, I don't know, but that's kind of how I've gone about my approach of having guys who work for me is I want people that are like-minded trying to stay healthy and clean and sober, have a clear mind every day they show up on the job site. And if they do have something to talk about, they talk to me about it. And that's, yeah. that's proof. It just happened. All right, guys, we've opened the conversation about issues with drug abuse, addiction, mental health. I think there's still a lot of work to do around this topic in the construction industry. Um, Garrett, we'd love to have you on in the future to talk about what you've got going on with business, your personal life, the home build. Um, and anyone else listening to this episode, if you'd like to contribute to this topic, I think there's a lot of work to do on it. Um, but with that being said, uh, Garrett, do you have any final words of wisdom for this episode? Um, I, I guess I'd like to say that like anybody that's listening to, to this and potentially maybe has a problem, um, wants to talk about it. Like I'm all ears at, I'm not going to say at any point in time. Cause I go to bed at like, I'm like past my bedtime right now, by the way, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I always check all my messages on Instagram um, and I'm always down to talk about it. You know, it's like addiction is, is wild. It, it, it tried to take my life. Um, and every day I'm building a better life for myself now that I'm sober. Uh, I just told you guys like, you know, that, that addiction, that alcohol, all of that's always out in the parking lot, just like doing pushups, ready to come get you. Um, so I'm on my toes constantly. And uh, I just do one day at a time. And um, I got today. Today was pretty good. And I'm going to go to bed as soon as I get done here. <laughs> and I'm going to wake up tomorrow. And I'm going to be sober again. And I get to do it all over. Um, life is good today. And I'm, I'm glad you guys had me on. I appreciate it. Um, I'm it, stoked you to have, have you. Um, the entire subject. It, it's definitely a touchy subject for most. So I, I appreciate you coming on here and kind of opening it up. With that being said, guys, if you or someone you know is ever going through an issue with substance abuse, the phone number, the hotline is 1-800-662-4357. 
Along with that, the suicide rate in working age adults has increased 40% in less than two decades. If you or somebody you know has gone through some stuff, preventconstructionsuicide.com for more information. All right, you guys, before we wrap up every episode, we end with a fast five. It's five questions to be answered in a sentence or less. Garrett, you ready? In a sentence or less? Okay. All right. Number one, what's your tool belt of choice? Diamondback. Woohoo. Nice, nice choice. Great guy. Favorite hammer. You better answer this one right, Garrett. Oh, dude, I, I've been <laughs> I've been on a kick, man. I like my stiletto right now. There we go. Matt, you had the, you had a, a really key one. All right. So I, I write these questions every time now that Brett screwed that up. Um, number three, how many chickens would it take? to kill an elephant 125 wow so precise kind of on the, the <laughs> are you super there. confident in that answer <laughs> uh, that's a lot of chickens in it i mean depends how bad they're clucking at that elephant man you got a big big old cock fight <laughs> number four <laughs> number four your one message to the next generation would be work hard all right, how about this? Your one message to anyone going through a mental health issue? <laughs> uh, get the help you need. Love it. All right, number five, the any question. What does bread to build mean to you? Uh, what does bread to build mean to me? I guess it is uh, – oh, I have to do it in one sentence? I just fucked up. I can't, you, do, you, that in, <laughs> I can't do that in one sentence. You can go <laughs> further than one sentence. Um. I think, I think that what you guys are doing is super cool. Like I have never, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, but I've never seen a podcast talking about addiction in the construction industry. Um, so I, I guess it just means, it means a lot to me that you guys thought of the idea and, and had me come on. That's like super cool. I appreciate it. Well, the, uh, the feeling is mutual, man. It's a tough subject to talk about for anyone. And just the fact that, you know, you're willing to put yourself out in the world, not even on the podcast, but on a every single day basis with anyone needing help. Uh, it, it definitely shows that you have a lot of character. Um, and, and it's just awesome that you're a living proof and example that you can overcome really any dark moment in your life. So uh, with that being said, Garrett, I, I just really appreciate you having, having you on here and being super honest with your journey. Um, Cause that's, that's ultimately what, what helps people is realizing that they're, they're not so alone, especially in a time like COVID too, with the isolation and everything. I think it's really, really key to, to, to have that support network that you need and, and just to, to, to be there when someone needs you. For sure. I agree. All righty, brother. Thanks so much for joining the Bread to Build podcast. Before we let you off the hook, brother, where can people find and connect with you? Uh, they can connect with me at Life Above on Instagram. Um, and, and on hammer, I think I'm life above on hammer too. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to the seventh episode of the bread to build podcast, a project dedicated to sharing the stories of the people who build and those who help move construction forward. If you like the episode and like what we're doing, drop an awesome review. If you'd like to join us on the podcast or have topics you'd like to talk about, email us at bread to build podcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to follow us on social, you can find me on all platforms at Brett Cohen, at We Are Hammer, at Builders of Insta. Thank you guys for listening to yet another episode of the Bread to Build podcast. You can find me on social media at Matt Bangswood, at supportthe youth.inc. 
on nearly every social outlet. We'll see you guys next time on the Bread to Build podcast. Outro music. Boom. Mic drop.